Hey everyone, this is Matthew Croson from Renew.org, and you are listening to the Real Life Theology Podcast, where we share discussions, webinars, public presentations, and similar resources to fuel disciple-making. Today, we continue our series on Renew.org's latest book, Rhythms, focusing today on the internal rhythm. Authors Daniel McCoy and Andrew Jitt discuss the importance of knowing oneself, finding identity in God, managing one's life, and developing healthy habits. Now let's dive in. Well, um, you know, chapter one talks about how to know yourself. Why is that important? Why do we not want to leave that behind? Really getting to know yourself. What is, what's so fundamental about that? I think it's one of the questions that a lot of people are asking, you know, as we have almost compartmentalized our lives, right? Who we are online compared to who we are in person, to who we are at church. Like it's, it's very easy to create different personas of our personality, right? And, and I think today, if you look at any young people, uh, when they're in junior high, high school, they're looking for affirmation, they're looking for meaning, they're looking for value and purpose in life. And the truth is, if they open God's word right in Genesis 1-1, they'll find the truth of who they are in God, that they're made in his image, male and female, right? They're made on purpose for a purpose, right? God gave us the mandate to be fruitful, to multiply physically, spiritually, right? To share his glory among the people, but I think so often it's easy to go, oh, that's a great, you know, Sunday school story. Or back in my day, we had the flannel board, which I think we need to bring oh, yeah. back. Oh, yeah. To, to to take... back. It, you just know it will, right? Yeah. I'm looking forward Vintage. to that. Particularly, you know, like when Jesus, you know, looks the same as Moses and Noah and all these other people and you're like, huh, how does it work? But Anywho, but when we can really go back to the beginning and start from that foundation of understanding who we are in God, that's so key. Mm-hmm. And then I love the verse that we get people to lean into, Ephesians 2.10, where Paul reminds us, right, that we're God's handiwork, we're his masterpiece. The, the word there for masterpiece or workmanship is poema, for where we get the word poem from. And I love just walking this verse through with people of saying you are gods you belong to god and you are his creation you're his workmanship his masterpiece right his unique poem that he's created with unique talents and gifts and abilities and that verse goes on to say for we god's workmanship created in who in christ jesus to do what good works which god prepared in advance for us to do so again old testament new testament speak to this truth of who we are in god in his image and who we are in Christ, a new creation, in order to do what he's created us to be. And when people leave that behind, they're missing out on the joy of living in that fullness of the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the blessing of having Jesus not only as Savior, but Lord as well. And so if we don't know who we are, right, we don't understand that internally, that's going to affect us horizontally, how we relate to other people, but also in our walk with God and with King Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We're going to be out of rhythm against how we're meant to live and how we're meant to function and not only survive, but thrive 
in our everyday life. So that's why I love that we begin with this journey of, yes, it's so key to know yourself. And that's hugely important, I think, more than ever in today's age. What would you say, brother? Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I think that one way of looking at the world is either I'm a success or I'm a failure. I think I think a lot of people see things that way. I either I've, I've made something in my life or I haven't. I think a another way of viewing the world that's even more, at least trendy right now, would be either I see myself as uh, I'm, I'm oppressed at some level or I'm privileged. I think that a Christianized version of at least the first way of looking at yourself and the success failure would be either I'm a good person or I'm a bad person. And none of those ways of looking at our identity does justice to the amazing variety, diversity with which God created us or, you know, the depths of our, our, our fall enough, fallenness, the, the, the depths of our potential. I mean, there's just so much richness there that we cannot find by kind of subsuming our identity into one of the prepackaged identity choices given to us by our culture. We, we can only find who we are through exploring that with our creator and finding our identity in him. I mean, there's incredible variety, even in my own home with, you know, five kids, incredible variety you know, different planet type, you know, variety. Uh, and, and so, you know, imagine just, you know, build the billions of people on the planet. Like we need to be able to give people permission to find who they are in Christ and to celebrate who they are in Christ and to, and to have permission to be themselves. So, yeah, I, I really glad that we took the time to talk through, you know, in, in this book, how do you know yourself? I think it's crucial. I think it's, it's fundamental. Well, and I love this snapshot that we used of Jesse's story, right? Of, of how God had just laid seeds of what, you know, he had created her to do and her passion. And now she's living that out, you know, on the mission field. And it started very young. And when you when you look back over your life, you can see how God's hand has prepared you. And I, I believe this wholeheartedly, you know, our past and our present always show up in the future. And so being able to move forward, you need to be able to look back yeah. and to say, what have I experienced? What have I lived through? How has God been there? What are the struggles as well as the successes in my everyday life that have made who I am today, but where I want to be as well? And that allows us to be stronger in Christ and stronger in our relationship with God. So the vertical, but then also horizontal and saying, how do I bring those people around me that will help me be the best that I can be? That's really key as well as we're spurring one another on as well. So as we lean into kind of a little bit of who we are, uh, we talk a little bit about personality profiles and tools. Are there ones that you like? as you kind of figure out who you are and what it means to be Daniel McCoy in the world? Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've found a lot of them to be helpful. Um, disc is obviously helpful, but there's one called the, uh, the people code. Sometimes it's called the color code. We, we put a link to it in our, or we put a 
bibliographic entry to it in the book, but it, it, it brings it down to four kind of core motives. Are you familiar with, with that one? A yellow and yeah. white and red and blue. So that I found that to be incredibly helpful interpersonally, especially. Uh, what about you? Uh, love Enneagram. You know, I've used that a lot. The organization I lead, we actually took our whole team through the Enneagram. So just understanding different numbers of who people are. And again, these are tools that doesn't define who you are, but being able to create an understanding of, again, who I am as a director of an organization and how I relate to people is really helpful to know the approach. So that really helps leaning into that horizontal facet as well. Another one that I lean into a lot is Maya Briggs, mm-hmm. but the different letters, and it was kind of interesting. I retook it uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, for an organization, and my letters have changed, mm. uh, which was really fascinating because I was kind of reflecting on this, and uh, don't tell anyone, but I did the test three times because I was like, I want my original letters, right? I really liked who I was. Yes. Yeah. But if Every time I'd get these new letters, the same combination every time. And it was just really fascinating to see how God's really changed the way I function and our personality. And it just kind of caused me to pause and to go, wow, okay, the, the circumstances of people I'm around have actually changed a little bit of who my personality is. And that was kind of alarming at first, but then kind of exciting to say, hey, how do we adapt? How do we grow? And again, these are never meant to define us and who we are because only, you know, the Bible defines who we are in Christ. But as we develop and as we grow, we're going to see different facets become strengths, you know, and stronger in some areas than others. So that was just a really fun one to kind of do. So I even did it with my daughter. And it was kind of funny because the title she got, uh, one of the 16 personalities, she was like, well, that's not really me, dad. And then we started reading the scripture and she's like, that is me, dad, um, mm. which was cool. So I love that we, again, reference different ways that people can lean into understanding more of who they are. Again, not to define you, but to help you figure out how you understand yourself, how the world sees you and how relationships can blossom and bloom around you. you does your Myers-Briggs still start with an E? I'm just guessing. Or did it, that change? No, that changed. So I'm kind of like an EI. I can go either way, uh-huh. um, which is interesting. But That's yeah, fascinating. I, love, I love being around people when we're talking on mission, we're talking disciple making, you know, but different times the the E comes out and different times I'm like, oh, I just need the I time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I love, um, I guess, giving people the tool to know themselves, the tools to know themselves, um, partially because I think that obviously it helps them to, um, you know, all, all the things that having your identity in Christ and, and permission to be yourself, all of that you know, does for you. But I think it also does a lot for your empathy for other people. Uh, You're able to say, man, I'm glad that not everybody out there is like me. You know, if everybody had my personality and my giftedness, it would be, you know, it'd be crazy. But to be able to look at somebody who's very different and to value them, I think that's huge. So yeah, we get to celebrate the diversity, right? Of the hand of God, the creative way 
that he made us and shaped us. And again, it, it's leaning into scripture, the goodness of who God is. And, you know, I remember just kind of thinking, wow, I am fearfully and wonderfully made as David wrote in the Psalms. And I think sometimes we can forget to celebrate that as well. But with that comes, you know, responsibility. And so one of the uh, rhythms we talk about is managing your life. So what does that really mean to manage your life? And why is that important from your perspective? Yeah. And, and again, it, you know, it has to do with taking the different areas of your life and bringing them into the light of wisdom and asking how, how are these going? And, you know, the way I like to look at that is that, you know, the grand story of the Bible is one of creation and then fall and then redemption and then restoration. Obviously that's not, you know, that's, that's not my idea. Some, many other people have said that, but what I've noticed is that in our faith, we can tend to narrow it down and focus mainly on the, the middle two. You know, the, we are fallen and we need to be saved. We need to be redeemed. Absolutely. No question about it. When it comes to managing our life though, we need to take a step back and look at the, you know, what we were created to do. Uh, that's the first step. And then the fourth, what, what are the areas that God is restoring in my life? And, and, and we're laying the seeds in these early chapters for the final chapter. How do I make a difference in this world? You know, so, so what, what is he restoring me? What are all the areas that need to be restored? And so that he can then use me in his grand project of restoring, you know, the broken creation. And so, yeah, that's, I think that's, for me, that's kind of why, that's why it's so important to bring these areas of life, because it's not just about getting me saved. It's also about bringing all these areas of life into his plan of, of restoration. So what about you? You know, managing your life, why is that important? What does that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. For me, it means stewardship, right? That we've been entrusted uh, with one life. And so what are we doing with it? You know, and that can take a variety of ways, but, you know, I lean a lot into what God said to Abram, right? The first time God speaks, he tells him to go, leave behind everything he knows. And he says, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. And that's huge, right? God has blessed us with infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. And it's so easy to see what we don't have, but to forget what we do have right? And so we are blessed people. And so it's using that life that God has given us to bless other people. How are we managing what God has entrusted to us in a good biblical way that we're not just, you know, wasting away the days, but using them mindfully? I love what Moses wrote in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to understand the brevity of each day, you know, give us wisdom and understanding. James talks about it, we're just a mist that's here and then gone the next second. And I think so often we can, again, forget to live with eternity in mind. I love the book that John Altberg wrote, Eternity is Now in Session. And I think that's a great title if we can live that out in managing our lives of going, what we're doing, we're preparing for the life to come. So often it's this goal of like, yes, we, we're living in this life. We've been justified, right? Been made. We're in the sanctification process, becoming like Christ and glorification is going to be great. 
what if we bring glorification aspects into saying, how do we prepare ourselves for that time that's coming and really lean into that in a deeper way of developing these rhythms that help us not only in the present life, but the life to come as well. And so I think there's a responsibility that we need to lean back into of saying, what has God given us in this life? What has he entrusted to us? And so often, again, we're busy people, right? The calendar's full, we're, we're struggling, we're stressed out, we're going to take the kids here, we've got this appointment, we've got this responsibility. And that's why Sabbath is so good for our souls, is to stop and reflect and to say, how do we create that time and that space and that margin to be able to develop a healthy rhythm of managing what we've got, but also what he may give us as well? And I think that leans in, you know, to what Jesus taught about the parable of the talents. Again, as we have little, how do we make much of what we've got so that then he can entrust to us more down the road as well? Yeah. You know, I see you as being really good in, you know, so many of these rhythms. This one in particular, I, I would love to know when you kind of became conscious of the need to manage your life. Because I think you do it just so incredibly well, you know, very disciplined, very intentional, purposeful, and yet not obsessive to where you're letting important areas of life go in in the pursuit of, you know, of 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 these things. So anyway, how did when when did that happen for you? What when was when did you become kind of aware of the need for this? Yeah, I mean, I just know that we only have limited time. So I want to make the best use of time. And I suppose it will sound really trivial, but I was watching a movie called About a Boy. It's got Hugh Grant and he befriends Wonderful the- movie. I love that movie. Okay, great. So in that movie, right, he be- befriends this boy and then he talks about, you know, how he divides his time into units of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, eating breakfast, one unit. And I think it's broken down into like 30 minute segments. And then you know, playing pool, two units, so an hour and things. And so that's kind of how I arrange my life is just thinking, what does God have for me today? What realistically can I do? And what does that look like? And so that, that was kind of one principle. And then the other side of the coin was understanding the difference between time and energy, right? We have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? But every day we have different levels of energy. And Mm -hmm. so it's figuring out what can I realistically do with what I've got. And so if I'm not resting, right, I'm not able to replenish my energy levels, right? I'm about to jump on a plane to East Africa. I've got 14 and a half hours sitting in one seat. So that's plenty of time to rest and to recover before I hit the ground and, and end up meetings with some great folks on the other side of the world. So it's about using what you've got and thinking through how can I best use that time and that space, but also my energy in the everyday life. Yeah. So when the energy is, you know, clearly at a low point, what do you do then? Or, or how do you anticipate that? Is there, is there a, a time of day it's like, all right, I'm not going to be very productive here and that's okay. Absolutely. And it's about finding your best time, right? And for me, it's about going, okay, what comes first? So I'm not going to, you know, decide to start reading through 
my Bible in those low moments, right? When the energy levels get low. And what's really great is my sweet bride, she's able to identify, you know, hey, you're getting low. Like mm-hmm. what's going on? What isn't happening? And that's the, the important thing about that horizontal relationship, you know, of having people that can speak into you, my accountability partner. You know, we have a a 31 checklist that we go through each week and we text and communicate to going, again, am I healthy in what I'm doing? Because we can all do stuff and we can say yes, but what's the best yes? Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to be replenishing, refueling, you know, and a blessing to other people. And so I just try and make the most of every day, but capitalize on what is most productive, not only for myself, but those around me and the mission that God has given me. Yeah, that's wonderful. Another rhythm that we have in the book is how to see the future. How do we, how can we promise that? You know, how, do, how can the book say that this is going to help you to know the future when everybody knows the future is unknowable? Absolutely. It's leaning into who holds the future. You know, that's the truth of this rhythm of going, how do we give to God what is God's and how do we walk and live in a relationship with him? And I think of Jeremiah 6.16, right, where the Lord tells Jeremiah, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. And what I love about that is I use this verse a lot for young people as us kind of standing. And I just say, stand and look. And our tendency is to walk, right? To kind of go. And then we're like, hey, God, come with us on this journey. But I love what God said to Jeremiah, to stand and look. Mm. And look the best way, right? And ask for the ancient paths. What's that? That's the word of God. Right, So we lean into the truth of Scripture, and as we're standing there, we're looking, we're we're seeking God's truth from God's Word, because He's given us the Word of God and the Spirit of God as a people of God. So if we can lean into the Spirit and truth, we're going to then walk in the right path, and then the promise is you'll find rest for your souls. And so if we want to see the future, we want to walk with confidence, which we can in Christ, because we're a new creation, the oldest God, the newest come. We can do that as we lean into the word of God and the spirit of God tandemly to then say, yes, we may not know where the future will take us, but we know who's going to be with us every step of the way. Now, and, and conversely, I would also say that the paths that we can see are, you know, there, there are also paths that we can see that lead to destruction and we just need to pause and and look at those as well. You know, the book we talk about, like anger, for example, if you are just kind of have, have explosive anger toward the people that you should be most gentle with, like members of your family, you know, what path is that going to lead to? You know, so Proverbs is beautiful when it comes to helping us to see the future and see that, you know, the outwork of these paths, Proverbs 30, verse 33, simply says, a man of wrath stirs up strife, one given to anger causes much transgression. So what's, you know, what does that path lead toward? You're, you're going to end up with a lot of strife and stress and a lot of sin. It's going to lead to, to all of that. And so we really can see the future. We got to pause and we got to look at the path. What Henry Cloud, psychologist who 
was a co-author of the Boundaries books, what Henry Cloud calls play the movie. You got to play it on it, see where it's going to leave. Now, obviously, it takes pausing. But if we do that and we look scripturally, we lean into the God who knows the future, uh, we, can, we can figure out a lot of these things. We can, we can know where these things are going to lead. And, and tied into that, another chapter that we wrote about was about learning and unlearning habits. And what's the crucial insight here? How does that play out in our internal, vertical, and horizontal life? You, Daniel? Um, learning and unlearning habits. I think the key insight for me in this chapter was being able to connect the habits that we want to learn, the habits we want to unlearn connect those back with chapter one, and that is who we are, who we are in Christ. And to be able to say, is this the kind of habit that a, a, a person who's a you know, child of, of God you know, engages in? And to be able to keep front and center who I am by the grace of God and to have some identity statements that, that bridge what, what God says about me with, with my natural or not my natural, but my, with my personality, my giftedness, bring all those together into some of these identity statements that help me to say, okay, um, by, by the grace of God, this is who I am. And so obviously this is not a good habit for that. This is a good habit for that. So for me, that was a big one, connecting it with our identity. What about you? What I really loved was what we wrote of saying habits are like reflexes. They tend to be automatic. And I think when we don't take stock, right, when we just live life and we go at the pace in which society and culture is driving it, things just become automatic. And sometimes it's hard to actually go, wow, is this something that's good or not good for my life? And again, it leans back into that Sabbath when we can stop and reflect of where we are, but, you know, where we need to be as well. because. Again, reflexes just kind of happen, right? Our brains are trained to do it. And sometimes we need others around us to lean into that. Again, understanding who we are, like you're talking about that internalness, but also, you know, horizontally, what does that look like where others can speak into and lean into what are we doing? Are we going down a path that's going to be productive or destructive in our lives? You know, Jesus said, why it is a path that leads to death, destruction, narrow is a path. So if we want to live the narrow path, are we walking in ways that are helping us or hindering us from fulfilling that calling that we will want to see in our everyday lives? And what I love is the snapshot that Richard gives of just his journey of just understanding the, the terrible habits that he had just developed from a young age. And then what it took to break those habits. And I appreciate him being so vulnerable in his testimony and in his journey. And he really thanked us that he had the ability to share his story because it's one of triumph in Christ. And he leans into his Christian community that were able to kind of pull a spade a spade and be able to identify things that were not good in his life. And that's what we need if we're going to truly live out this life in the best way, which Jesus said, you know, I want to give you life in all its fullness and that abundantness. We're going to have to identify things that are hindering us and not helpful and saying, how do we, again, unlearn those things, but then learn in better ways. And so I love this chapter. 
because it's so practical from, you know, the assessment to then figuring out again, what are the strategies that we can put in play that can help us be successful in taking a deeper walk into our relationship with Christ? Yeah, it's kind of a culminating chapter, at least for that part one of, of knowing yourself, because it brings in very heavily, who am I in Christ? It also brings in the path that I want to be on, you know, the, the end of the movie that I like to play, that I would like to have played. And also bringing in community, you know, like you said, we, we, we can't do this alone. Uh, you know, one of the strategies talks about, you know, to help me unlearn this habit, I'm going to ask for help from, and then, you know, bring in somebody that can really help. So yeah, definitely an important chapter. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the Real Life Theology Podcast. I hope you found the conversation meaningful and thought provoking. Check out the description for a link to the book along with some other useful resources, including a link to our national gathering. That's right, up in Indianapolis, April 29th and 30th, Courageous Renewal. We want to see you there. I hope you guys can find the time. It's going to be really great. Now, stay tuned because next week we got another great interview focusing on the horizontal rhythm. So you won't want to miss out. So until next time, hope you guys have a great week.